Hey everybody, welcome into a quiet, eerily quiet, Woody Hayes Athletic Center on the first day of the early signing period. It is Snappy J's, Snap Judgments, the last time before we all hit the road. Well, not all of us. Berman and I will. Two out of three. Two out of three will. And then Bill Landis, of course. So breaking down uh, the last Ryan Day press conference, talking about the signing class, the guys who did uh, commit and pledge officially and join the Buckeyes today. And a little bit of Peach Bowl and a lot of NIL. whole lot of NIL. Yeah. That's what I think we all expected most of the conversation to be because that has dominated the entire uh, recruiting cycle. But I think it was important for, for Ryan Day to be able to stand up there and, and kind of love on some of the guys that have done this uh, and signed with Ohio State today. They are still waiting on one uh, commitment, Jaden Bonsu, to finalize his decision. Strange last-minute uh, machinations that are happening all around the country, but um, they, they still are feeling like they can close the deal there if they – Wrap it up with Bonsu. That's 21 commitments in this class. I'm sorry, 20 signees in the class. And it's a really good group. It's not a great group. It could have been great. Um, you could sort of see the disappointment on Ryan Day's face a little bit when he was asked about some of those losses. But um, I think more than anything else, this has to be a learning experience for the Ohio State program. And 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 they'll see what type of adjustments they make moving forward. It is the first day of the early signing period, but there I don't expect any Ohio State activity in the next two days, unless Bonsu decides to push this to Thursday or Friday. Yeah, Ryan Day like <clears throat> made an illusion like, "Oh, we got a couple of days here to keep swinging at stuff." Like, what are you? What are you swinging at? <laughs> other other than maybe that's what he meant was was Jaden Bonsu. But uh, I think people were probably dissatisfied with some of the answers on on NIL and. You know, I, I don't know that I was expecting a whole lot of information. That's the, the thing about this, and I said this on the board to at OhioStateRivals.com, like, they can say whatever they want. I don't really particularly care what they say. I care about what they do moving yeah. forward. Because I, I do agree with you, Berm, that this has to be a, a learning moment for them. And it's not whatever, however you want to label the game that is being played now at the highest levels of recruiting. Um, I think there was an unwillingness to play it. I think probably now there will be a begrudging willingness to play it. But being willing to do it and then being organized to do it are two very different things. And, and I think Ohio State needs to address that second part uh, clearly moving forward after this class. And, and it's kind of a bit unfortunate, I think, for this group because, like you said, it's, it's a good class. There's some really good players in this class and players that I think Ohio State fans should be excited about. But um, the NIL thing just sort of hangs all over it and, and dominates the conversation, right, rightfully so. I, I alluded to this uh, in the Daily to start today on Wednesday and – I know that you two disagree with me. I know Burn more strongly does than maybe you do, Bill. But you guys are both talking about this being some learning and painful exercise for Ohio State. And I don't. I just don't feel that way. I mean, I know that they will have to adjust some things, but and it's not because like just the roof is still standing in here right now. Like the program is on strong footing, and on a per player basis, all these guys that they signed are going to help them. Did they? Comp- in a few circumstances, are we talking about NIL making a difference? Perhaps that. Defensive end, where there's really no part of that class, and and that's going to probably inflict some damage on them down the road. Yeah, I would have to concede that that point is accurate. I don't feel like anything that changes with the appeal of the stuff that was mentioned by Ryan Day specifically, and I've had these conversations elsewhere with, I know it sounds stupid and like a loser mentality to just say, oh, well, the academics are good. They're still going to compete for championships. Once you get here, the NIL opportunities are going to be good. Like. I'm not trying to justify it or make excuses for them. I don't think that they're going to ever dramatically change to offer $1.8 million to one player. Yeah. So, like, this stuff is yeah, good. It is still better than most places, is my point. And I, I'm not arguing against that they, if they're going to beat 
Alabama and Georgia in recruiting battles, they're going to have to take a different tack. Are they going to make that change? I'm kind of of the belief that they won't. Yeah, there, there's a, a divide in between the coaching staff here and the administration at Ohio State, period. Like, that exists. Yeah, it's true. There is a pushback happening from the administration that is frustrating the staff. Yes, you have signed right now 19 really good players. 27 really good players sounds better to me. Uh, and that is where you can look at it from the, the micro and say, hey, this class is really good. Everything's fine. Just extrapolate it out three years, and you, for the next three years, lose eight top 50 players each year to the same schools over and over. How does the program look then? And I think that is the course Ohio State has to be asking itself. It's not about freaking out about losing Kay and Lee, the cornerback from Georgia who flipped to Auburn today. It's not about losing a slot cornerback that you can replace with Cedric Hawkins, who, who did sign today, or you can replace with Jair Brown, who's already on the roster. It's about... What happens if this is what happens in the next three years? Signing 19 really good players is a really great start. But when you look at everyone else in the top 10 of the national recruiting rankings, they're signing 27, 28, 29 guys. It is a, it is a systemic change that's going to have to occur one way or the other. Uh, because if you look at Alabama, they signed 29 guys last year. Um, they also have 20 guys in the transfer portal. That's not an accident. They're saying, you're here for one year. If you don't do it, get out. That is not what Ohio State wants to do. But I think that there is a, a reckoning coming in college football that's going to require some, some, some really serious adaptation or be willing to, to regress to the mean. But I, so I'm, I, don't, I don't dispute anything that you're saying. I think that Alabama has to ask if that's the right approach for them because we talked about the issues they had with their culture and if they're going to lose – you know, double-digit players to the transfer portal every year. Is that a sustainable way to build a strong culture? Uh, you look at Texas A&M, really is the only test case we have of uh, NIL purchasing a signing class, and it immediately fell apart after one year. And that program has, I believe, 28 players currently in the transfer portal or have entered in this month. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that there's evidence to support, at this point, taking that approach. Ohio, the SEC is oversigned for years. They were doing that since I covered Tennessee. That part is not new. It has helped maybe Alabama more than others, but I don't. You, when Tennessee tried it, it didn't work. Like you, there is still an element at play here where you have to develop the right amount of players. And this sounds again. I'm not suggesting that they're cop outs. I think that Ohio State has specifically chosen a path for where it, where it's comfortable, what it's and what it believes is the right way to build a sustainable program. And a lot of other places are reacting to the gates being open to do whatever the hell they want. And I don't know that there's any demonstrable proof that that's going to work in the long term. Yeah, Again, you know. I, I don't, I know that sounds like a, that I don't get it or that it's a, an excuse or a loser mentality. I, I, I'm just, that's how I, well that's right. how I feel you about it. You may very well be proven right, but that's not going to make these next. No, I know. I get easy. that. I get that. I think it's more about maybe being like selectively aggressive in that way. Like I, I agree with you. I just, I don't really believe that you're going to be able to build a sustainable championship program by doing like what Texas A&M or what Oregon appears to be doing right now. I'm like, whatever, it's their prerogative to do it. No one's stopping them. Let them try and see if it works. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, you know, um, I don't, I don't believe that that it will. But, but maybe I'll be sitting here two years from now and I'll be, I'll be wrong on that. But I do think there's a middle ground between doing something like that and doing nothing. And I think Ohio State is, they're not doing nothing, but they are not competitive enough to get the two or three difference makers, I think, per class. That, and, and I think that's how they need to approach this moving forward. They need to position themselves 
better to be competitive for those kind of recruits. I don't like their class is top 10 in the country there. If you go by like average player rating and stuff like that, it's, it's better than that. They're, they are more or less where they have been historically, but it's not about, I guess, like maintain it's, it's about keeping pace with the programs like Alabama and Georgia. Cause you're trying to win national championships. You're not just trying to merely win the big 10. This class is plenty good enough to win, to win the big 10 every year if they keep doing it this way. But those programs I think are, are being more selectively aggressive in their approach to this stuff than they are just throwing money at everybody to build their class. And I yeah. think that's kind of how, how Ohio State is operating. The difference between Alabama and Texas A&M, of course, is that Alabama has Nick Saban and Texas <laughs> yeah, A&M that doesn't. also does help. Now, the, the issue that you see here is that kids, because they are somewhat naive and they are also somewhat immune to the idea that, hey, this happened to someone else, it could happen to me, they don't buy that. They don't believe that well, I went to this place and they didn't follow through. So 28 guys are transferring it. That's what can happen here. They are monkey see, monkey do uh, in the fact that five stars are just going to keep going to Alabama. Like that's what they're going to keep doing. Now, as Ryan Day alluded to today and said it over, you know, a couple times, every year is going to be different. When Nick Saban retires, whenever that is, maybe this isn't going to work for Alabama then. What's clear is that what Ohio State had been doing successfully did not translate in this class the way that people thought it would have or on the um, in the manner or scope that we thought it would back in June. Mm-hmm. Something didn't happen. Not helped by the fact that you get beat by Michigan again, mm-hmm. but Michigan's recruiting class is like 20th in the country. It's not like they're dominating that space. But they're supplementing with the portal. They're supplementing in with a the meaningful portal. Way. Ohio State is not. So these are what I'm saying. There are so many different areas that are going to require adjustment um, and, and I think it's fascinating just to see how Ohio State does it because of, as I said, the divide between what the administration of the school believes should be their tact and, and what the players and, the, and the, the players, by that I mean the coaches who are active players in the recruiting dances uh, feel. I think if you look at the way that this class, signing class, transpired, clearly the biggest concern moving forward will be at defensive end. Uh, and that is not coincidentally a place where some other schools seemed more aggressive in their pitches to the top, I don't know what, three berm that are on the board for Ohio State. They did get Joshua Mickens to sign, uh, commit and sign earlier today. Which is one of those funny stories because, like, <laughs> he is definitely being recruited as a jack stand-up linebacker type for Ohio State, not a defensive end. Now, maybe that changes. I know that is Josh's preference, but we'll see. So uh, that could be an example of what you guys are talking about, that the, the quote-unquote salary cap has to – be different for certain positions or yeah. or certain caliber of players. I, I I don't have an argument against that, and uh, you can see the results. I think that would be where the Ohio State, the people in this building would say, this is what's missing. And when you're wondering why the pass rush is not quite the same in a year or potentially two, whatever, like you can look back at this decision potentially and what it took to get these three players that are not here. Like that is a real problem, and I think it will most likely mean that Ohio State does have to be more involved in the transfer portal at defensive end that maybe it wanted to be. Even though you have very good players returning, you can't objectively look at this class and say that that met the standard. No, I mean, and that's there are a couple of positions. Football doesn't change much from level to level, right? There's quarterback, there's defensive end, there's cornerback, right? That's mm-hmm. pretty much it. Out of Ohio State, they've, they put a premium on wide receiver play, and therefore the recruiting is following. The other three spots in this class, quarterback, you you scramble at the end, you get a really good player. That's not a knock. Lincoln Keenholz is a very good player and is going to come into Ohio State in June and, and have a chance to to make some some noise in his career here. Cornerback, you get two guys when you really needed four. And, and that's 
That's just the facts. You needed four corners in this class. You were willing to settle for three, and you lose one on signing day to Auburn. Um, again, there's only one reason a kid flips from Auburn to, or from Ohio State to Auburn on signing day. Well, let's just call it what it is. Defensive end, you needed three, and you got zero. That's that's just not how you win in this cycle. That's where I think if you look at the overall picture of this recruiting class, you go, man, what could have been in this class is, is really different than what currently is. Now, that doesn't mean they can't make things happen in the next six weeks heading into the February 1st signing day, but the pickings are slim at this juncture. Yeah, they could become better, though, you know, if you're if you're wearing a ring while you're doing it. They have that opportunity, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, well, that, that is the truth. Yeah. I mean, there are there's a... The problem with recruiting is that so much of it is about perception just becomes reality, and it becomes reality very quickly. Ohio State has dominated Michigan for 19 of the last 22 years, and now all of a sudden people think they can't ever beat Michigan. And, like, that's not the case. Ryan Day was an elite-level recruiter as a closer by himself. I asked him about it on, on Wednesday. Like, how much did your role change? And I, this is the frustrating part for me in press conferences. You saw, I don't know if you guys are paying attention. I asked him that question. His initial response was, yeah. And then it like, and then he went into politician mode. He was going to be clear and say, yeah, I probably wasn't as involved as I had been before. Those things matter. You have six coaches that are retained on Ohio State, four new coaches. Of the six new coaches, uh, the six returning coaches outside of Brian Hartline, who excelled in this cycle? That is the question I, I would ask. Corey Dennis did what he needed to do. He got a quarterback. Tony Alford did not sign a running back. Uh, Justin Fry is a new guy, so I'm going to give him a, a pass. Larry Johnson gets three defensive tackles. One of them is Will Smith. There's no recruiting necessary. Um, Parker Fleming, I, I love the guy, but uh, he, his, he's not asked to do much in the recruiting business, didn't do much in the recruiting business. Who excelled in this cycle? Keenan Bailey did a good job Keenan Bailey, Jelani Thurman. <laughs> so that's it, – it is – it's – it's easy to understand the frustration from the fan base while also imploring people to say, these are 19 really good players. Yeah. But I, I, it, it's hard to for people to see both sides of it. It is hard, yeah. Well, I'm, I am glad that there was some information about this class during that <laughs> press conference. We actually did get to learn a little bit about what Ryan Day thought of the group because I was not confident that, that we would. Right. So, uh, I thought someone, if, if I may pivot, I thought, I thought, uh, I was trying to, but yeah. I, I went right back to something else. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I failed uh, to do so. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought the conversation about the two corners they did get was interesting with, with, uh, Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson hunt. Some of the stuff we've talked about already on, on the podcast, but to hear it come out of Ryan Day's mouth and how much they like the competitiveness of a guy like Jermaine Matthews and, and what that could potentially bring to the room, I thought was enlightening. And and you saw Ryan Day's face kind of light up a little bit when he talked about the athleticism of a guy like Calvin Simpson Hunt. Two two things I think they needed um, greatly in that room is an infusion of more athleticism and an infusion of guys who, you know, don't mind punching in the face if they have to do it. And I, and I think Calvin Simpson Hunt brings one and, and Jermaine Matthews brings the other. Yeah, Calvin may bring them both. He we just don't know because yeah, the kids never spoke about yeah. <laughs> I said like when he when they announced his signing on Twitter, uh, that was the first time I've ever heard his voice. So it's, it's pretty rare for you. Like the kid just does not talk. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't usually work out that way with corners who don't speak. Um, yeah, I mean it's a challenge. Anyway, um, my antenna went up about the conversation about the wide receivers group. It's a similar one that's been had every single year that Brian Hartline and Ryan Day have uh, worked to uh, sign guys. They get, they get the best in the country. It's one of the most appealing destinations. But it, it, 
we know what's transpired with last year's freshman group and they have not been able to make an impact at all. And so there was a lot of conversation about those four potentially being able to do that in a hurry. I don't know what else you would say on National Siding Day, but I think that they mean that perhaps more uh, than what transpired a year ago. And, and I'm not, those guys still have plenty of opportunity in front of them. And we've seen late bloomers at wide receiver thrive at Ohio State, but none of those four that were currently here really grabbed an opportunity when it was available to them. You can't say it any other way. When Jackson Smith and Jigba was not part of this season, there was a real opportunity for them to jump into that mix. Ohio State, if they had their way, would love to play six wide receivers and stay fresh. They weren't able to do that. We talked about the offense. Like, well, there's too much on Marvin Harrison Jr.'s shoulders and Emeka Buka and he's hurt and Julian Fleming's playing through things. They were turning to Xavier Johnson. We love Xavier Johnson. Great guy. Former walk-on, though not a former top 50 recruit or a four or five-star guy. So if you look at that, something was was not right a year ago. It's up to these four that are coming. I don't know how many, Berm, you can tell me, are going to be here in January, but there's a real, there's going to continue to be a real opportunity for them to jump in the mix because uh, Jackson is not ever going to be back for Ohio State. And you do have Marvin and Mecca and Julian, but you're still trying to add and supplement to that and those other those other freshmen this year didn't do that. Yeah, I really like the wide receiver class. I mean, clearly you have three of the best, three of the top five in the country with uh, Brandon Ennis, um, Carnell Tate, and, and Noah Rogers. Bryson Rogers doesn't get all the love that he should probably. He's a really good player, just played an offense that doesn't feature him or, or the passing game. Um, Brandon Ennis, I don't believe, is allowed to enroll early coming out of American Heritage. The other three should be here in January. So they're going to have a chance to really get started, but that's not going to stop Ennis from being a contributor when he gets here. He is... I mean, he is as competitive a wide receiver as I've ever, ever seen covering recruiting and just a kid that likes, like wants to win every single rep. So that's an attitude that they really need for the young receivers in that room, because as as good as Marvin is and as good as Omeka is, sometimes those guys are not the, the most vocal and Brandon Ennis inside this building will be very vocal. But, you know, I think your point's spot on. I mean, it's not just the four freshman receivers that are going to be pushed by this group. It's also going to be Jaden Ballard, who you know, has an opportunity or, and had an opportunity all year to pass Xavier Johnson and couldn't do it. So what what happens over the next, you know, six weeks with those guys as you head into spring ball will be very interesting to see how the offense shapes up next year. Okay. What else? I mean, you didn't learn anything about the signing class. No, you already I mean, knew I, it. I, I thought, I thought <laughs> that the, you know, I, we, obviously we, we asked or we talked about on the daily this morning, like what's the plan at running back without signing one? Um Ryan Day didn't seem to be really entirely committed to either direction. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Buckeyes have to look in the transfer portal over these next few weeks. Uh, there, or maybe you wait till after spring, I guess, because again, that's sort of the dirty little secret here. Like the transfer portal isn't done in January. You can still go get a guy in the spring. Yeah. If Ohio State needs, <laughs> in fact, it's probably going to be even wilder in May. Right, if Ohio State needs a, a a starting defensive end or a starting left tackle. It doesn't take long for the bat signal to go out, and, <laughs> right. and people will be interested, especially because all these other schools are jumping on these things right now. So um, the recruiting process is no longer wrapped up on February 1st, it's, but it's also not wrapped up now. I mean, there, there's a lot of time left. <laughs> the example that comes up all the time about the relationships and continuing that so that maybe down the road you're able to come back in, I believe it was... Master Teague getting hurt with an Achilles injury on the second day of spring practice. And it was like Trey Sermon decided that he was going to go into the transfer portal at the exact same moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so 
Like that stuff is going to happen. And there's an opportunity, like, and I asked Randy about this. It's, it's a change. It's a shift in just the way this calendar works. Like if you missed on defensive end uh, or running back the way that Ohio State did in this class or on this particular day, you don't have to wait 365 days to land more and just, you know, kick this class down the road. You have to consider at this point the transfer portal being part of your signing class. Uh, and the opportunity to add to it continues into uh, early May. So, Well, that's what I'm saying. If you look at Michigan, I apologize. It is signing day. If you look at Michigan, they they have a top 20 class in the country when it comes to just prep prospects. But now they've added five really good transfer portal players. Those guys have boosted their, their ranking quite a bit. So Ohio State needs to be willing to wade into that water for the right fit. And that ultimately, I guess, is the the abstract that people are trying to figure out. What, what the hell does the right fit mean when you're losing? Well, there's also just a, a numbers game that has to be involved in oh, this. And that all, still matters? Yeah, it still matters. No no you still can only have 85. You, see, really? you don't get to yeah. go above that. I can't believe so, you guys believe this. You can't, <laughs> you can't. Like, I mean, you could run up to 92 right now if you Do wanted to. Multiply 30 times 4. <laughs> tell, <laughs> me, tell me what that is. It's 120, Berm. 120. So if you're allowed to have 85 scholarship players... And every four years, Alabama is signing 120. Mm-hmm. How many players that are on scholarship who are supposed to be four-year scholarships is Nick Saban telling to get the F out of Tuscaloosa? <laughs> 35. Why are players still going to Tuscaloosa? Rings. When, right? Beat Georgia. That's what it comes down to at this point for Ohio State. Yeah. Beat Georgia. Beating like- Georgia would help. Yeah. These are These are... Larger and these issues are larger in scope than merely beating Georgia, but beating Georgia would be a, a nice salve. Sure would. Yeah. I was told there'd be no math today. You know, I was there, not confident in that thirty-five. There's, <laughs> there's, there's no math anywhere. Uh, there's certainly no math on signing day because nothing, none of this matters. It's all just made up. <laughs> none of these guys matter. <laughs> That's the way it works, folks. You can just replace them tomorrow, and they can walk away tomorrow. All these guys who signed today could transfer tomorrow. And it wouldn't matter. It's, they probably won't. Though. Probably won't. But that's what I'm saying. The game's gotten so weird. Anything goes. That was recruiting expert Jeremy Birmingham <laughs> weighing in yep. on his livelihood. And he's uh, super stoked about everything that's going on about it. As you can tell, he's been getting a lot of sleep. That's uh, a fun world right now uh, to be in. And that's a total lie. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know. We're not supposed to lie on the show. Oh. We're supposed to shoot yeah, it straight. if I'm telling them I'm lying, oh, I'm okay. telling the truth. That's right. All right, good. Well, uh, this has been Snap Judgments on the beginning of the early signing period. Everyone had a great time in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. The, play, the, the reason it's so quiet, the players have been sent home for Christmas. They get a couple days. Uh, yeah, there's still a Peach Bowl to prepare for for Ohio State, but they'll be uh, heading home to see their families for a couple days. Then they will report to Atlanta on Christmas night, the 25th. Berm and I will be hitting the road for that as well, and Bill will be covering everything locally. That's right. The important stuff that transpires around that matchup from here. When he's not, I don't know, maybe in the hospital, we'll see what transpires there. Keep your fingers crossed. He's Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. These have been Snap Judgments. We'll talk to you later.